0: This is the anthem. Here's what you came for. This is the moment. Magic was made for. Come on, come on. Light up the sky now.
1: You feel the magic happening right now. Hello there. Welcome back to Panthers House Hello and welcome back to FanFit House, a member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma.
0: And I'm Gabby, and we are going to continue our celebration of Women's History Month by talking about um, some of the prominent female Disney Parks Imagineers. And I kind of did it in order from when they
1: started with the company um, yeah, with our research. So the first one um, to be hired for the Imagineering department within Walt Disney Company was Harriet Burns. So we're going to start with her. Burns began working at Disney Studios in 1955 as a prop and set painter for the Mickey Mouse Club. And she helped design the and build the famed Mouse Clubhouse, which was a featured fixture on the show her appearance caused her to stand out on set as she dressed in high heels and a skirt to work with the hardware and tools such as a drill press and sanders
0: i love that honestly like goals you go queen i mean osha would never but like yeah osha didn't exist back then so who cares yeah So, Burns uh, shared a workstation at the Disney studio with fellow Disney employee named Fred, um, ooh, Georgia? I think so. I think it's Georgia, but it's with a J. Um, <laughs> so, Georgia was a build uh, model builder for WDE or WED Enterprise. Did I just say WDE? Yeah, you did. WED Enterprises, or WED, um, which is now known as uh, Walt Disney Imagineering. He was working on prototype models for the future Disneyland theme park.
1: Yes, in addition to her job as a set builder, Burns began working with Georgia in Disney's model shop, building miniature prototypes of Disneyland buildings and attractions.
0: WED Enterprises originally consisted of just three members, which were Harriet Burns, Fred Georger, and um, Waffle Rogers, and um, it it eventually became known as the WED or WED Model Shop. Um, so WED Enterprises was actually renamed to Walt Disney Imagineering, which alluded to the engineering and imagination needed to design a Disney theme park as well as the attractions.
1: Burns contributed greatly to the development of Disneyland at wed enterprises by creating both miniature models and actual theme park attractions one of her first assignments was to craft a model of sleeping beauty castle a disneyland landmark which opened with the theme park on july 17th of
0: 1955. she continued to work on disneyland expansions after the park's grand opening um, Burns designed models of the Matterhorn Bobsleds attraction as a one one hundredth scale replica of the famous Matterhorn in Switzerland.
1: Another of Burns' jobs at Disneyland w- um, was what is called figure finishing. Now, figure finishing involves applying paint and other finishes to Disneyland attractions and mannequins to create the
0: finished look. And I think that's the picture that I posted of her is of her with the yeah like, finishing up a model. But I'm not sure. I can't I remember. Really. There's a few like that. Yeah. Um, it might have been actually in the planning room for Disneyland. But still, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of figure finishers on here that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Um, so Burns personally designed and painted the set pieces and underwater figurines, actually for the what was originally the submarine voyage ride, which is now Finding Nemo. Yeah. And she also
1: applied individual feathers to animatronic birds in Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, which opened in 1963. Burns later confessed in a 2005 interview with The Hollywood Reporter that the Tiki Room, ber- ber- that the Tiki Room birds were one of her most challenging projects ever. She managed to fix the look of the birds and actively maintained the Tiki Room attraction after its opening. And she also created the birds for the film Mary Poppins as well. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's a lot of feathers. Yeah. Like, she did the feather that is a spoonful of sugar. The, like, little blue one. Oh! Yeah. And they used the same, like, animatronic technology with that as the Tiki Room. As the Tiki
0: Room. Makes sense. Yeah. So, Burns also helped with the models and final designs of New Orleans Square, one of the themed lands at Disneyland. She also designed the attractions within New Orleans Square and uh, built an exact model of the Pirates of the Caribbean Dark Ride, which opened in 1967. Uh, She was also a figure finisher on the Pirates' mannequins, and she similarly designed the Haunted Mansion, which opened to the public in 1969.
1: Outside of Disneyland, Burns was part of a a team of Disney employees, which included Joyce Carlson. Um, which created several Disney attractions for the 1964 New York World's Fair. Burns' Burns contributions to the World's Fair included um, designing great moments with Mr. Lincoln, which later opened at Disneyland, and the Carousel of Progress.
0: Her work earned the attention of Walt Disney himself, and he featured Burns on several episodes of The Wonderful World of Color, the 1960s television show, which gave a behind-the-scenes look at the Walt Disney Company, including the theme parks. Yes. She uh, she then retired from Walt Disney Imagineering in 1986. Um, she was honored in 1992 with
1: a window display of her work on Main Street USA in Disneyland with a commemorative plaque that reads, The Artisan Loft." Handmade miniatures by Harriet Burns. And she was the first woman in Disney history to receive this honor. And similarly, um, she was designated a Disney Legend Award with, like, the D23 and Walt Disney Company in 2000 as an employee who's, quote, as an employee who, quote, um, imagination, talent, and dreams have created the Disney magic.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And she was like the first of so many women yeah. to, like, she's the first one. She's the one that was like, mm, yes, and started yeah. it all. Yeah. So, very cool. Next up, we personally have one of my favorites honestly, is um, Mary Blair. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's pretty cool. I mean, but uh, there's a few also that I really love. The the I love all of them. Honestly, is let's my be honest. Favorite. Let's be honest. I just—I'm so excited for this episode. I've been waiting to do I know this one. When... I'm so excited. Yeah. So, um, we have Mary Blair, born Mary Robinson, who is an American visual development artist, best remembered today for her work done for the Walt Disney Company. Um, she was also wife of another artist, Lee Blair. Yes. Uh, Blair. She. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. Blair
1: produced concept art for many of. Disney's post-war releases, such as Alice in Wonderland, The Three Caballeros, Peter Pan, Song of the South, and Cinderella. She also worked on art for Dumbo, an earlier version of Lady and the Tramp, and a second version of Fantasia titled Baby Ballet, which was not released until the
0: late 1990s. Her style also lives on through the designs for the Disney attraction It's a Small World, to which the attraction is primarily modeled after her art style. Her work at Disney Parks can also be seen on an enormous mosaic inside Disney's Contemporary Resort. In 1967, Blair
1: created mural art for the Tomorrowland Promenade. Two similar tile murals flanked the entrance corridor. The mural over Adventure Through Inner Space was covered over in 1987 with the opening of Star Tours, while the other remained in place until 1998, when the circle vision 360 degrees was replaced by rocket rods and a new mural was designed to reflect the new theme.
0: Outside of Disney, she also illustrated several little golden books for publishers Simon and Schuster and designed Christmas and Easter sets for Radio City Music Hall. Yes.
1: She also worked as a designer for Bondwit Teller and created theatrical sets. Blair would also go to make sets for of Walt Disney note cards for Hallmark, and in 1968, she was credited as a color designer film on the film "How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying."
0: Blair was posthumously honored the Disney Legend in 1991, one of the first women to be given the honor. As we mentioned, um, uh, Harriet Burns was the first woman, but she was one among the first few. She was
1: yeah. Mary Blair was nineteen ninety one and Harriet Burns was two thousand for Disney Legends.
0: Oh. Then why did it say the oh? Because it's posthumously. She wasn't actually alive. Yeah. So she was awarded the honor, but it's mostly credited as um Harriet Burns being the first woman to accept the honor because she was alive. Yes. Is that is that what? Okay, got it.
1: <clears throat> the Mickey Mouse episodes Yodelberg and Oh So Many are patterned after Blair's distinctive art
0: style, and you could totally tell yeah. in Yodelberg. Like you can yeah. look at it and you're like, yes.
1: And in nineteen 19- or what? And in
0: twenty
1: 2014- fourteen. <laughs> yep. In twenty fourteen, the Walt Disney Family Museum hosted the comprehensive exhi- exhibit. Magic, color, flair, the world of Mary Blair. I love that. Same.
0: So, next up, my we favorite. have one of my personal favorites. I love her, too. Just as much, I like I said, I love all of these women yeah. equally. I can't pick a favorite. They're all so good.
1: So, it is Leota Toomes, and she began her career at Walt Disney Studios in 1940 when she was hired into the ink and paint department. She then transferred to the animation department, where she met animator Harvey Toombs, whom she married in 1947.
0: I think we'll see this as a little bit of a pattern. There's a lot of, there's a lot of imaginary women who started off, you know, on their own, and then got to Disney, met the loves of their lives, got married, and, like... Yeah. (laughs) So... So she left the company to raise her two kids, Lori and Kim, but she then returned to Disney in 1962 and joined Wed Enterprises, as we know, now known as Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, She created and developed designs for the 1964-1965 New York's World's Fair, playing pivotal roles in the creation of It's a Small World, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, and the Ford Magic Skyway. So there's, you know, these women were all working together actively, which at the time, it's very rare. Yeah. Like, this is cool. They were all working as a team, as a part of a team, together, yeah. you know? Not just, like, each of them on a separate team with a bunch of men. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. After the World's Fair ended, Leona transferred her talents to some of the most beloved attractions at Disneyland, including Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion.
0: Yes. So, when the idea of a disembodied head that speaks from inside a crystal ball came about uh, during the Haunted Mansion's development, Yale Gracie asked Leota to pose for the head just so they could, you know, test it out. Um, but it was decided that actress Eleanor Audley should provide Leota's voice due to the menacing quality, but the little Leota bride at the end of the ride does have Leota Tomb's high-pitched voice. Yeah. Like, it's, it's small and high-pitched. Yeah. Um, so... She's the face of the Leota in The Ball. Yes. But she's the uh, voice of the woman with the hatchet at the end.
1: Yes. Um, yes. And Eleanor on Eleanor... was a voice actress. Wasn't she Lady Tremaine and another one? And Maleficent. That's what I was going to say. I didn't want to be wrong.
0: <coughs>
1: yeah. We have, like, one singular brain cell going on here right now.
0: Yep. Totally.
1: leona relocated at to leona relocated to walt disney world in 1971 to start up on the on-site team that would maintain the shows and attractions at magic kingdom park after returning to california in 1979 she worked in several different capacities including at walt disney imagineering where she trained many disneyland figure finishers and artisans and she passed
0: away on December 21st of 1991. Jims mm-hmm. um, was posthumously declared a Disney legend in 2009. Um, and her daughter, Kim Irvine, who is also an Imagineer, um, having started with the company in 1970... And uh, she is the face of Madame Leota in the holiday overlay of the Haunted Mansion. Yes, so it's like a little family.
1: That's only thing. Disneyland because Disney World does not have the holiday overlay.
0: That's true. Yes, I also I also remember Kim in an interview one time saying that um, sometimes when she's in the park like alone by herself, she can hear little Leota from the outside of the Haunted Mansion because they don't like really shut it off all the way. Yeah, you know, they leave a lot of the stuff running and so she can hear little Leota sometimes as she's walking through the parks and she's like oh hi mom and it was just so sweet yeah
1: so the next woman we're going to talk about is Joyce Carlson um and she first became involved with Walt Disney Productions in Burbank California in 1944 When she took a job in the traffic department, delivering mail, art supplies, coffee, and other necessities to the various departments.
0: Um, Carlson created a pen and ink portfolio portfolio of her sketches several months after she began working at Disney and presented it to her employers. She was then hired into a position at the Disney Studios ink and paint department. This particular department was nicknamed the nunnery at the time because so many of its women or so many of its employees were women and they sometimes worked 16 hour days in order to finish feature films on time. Jeez. But isn't that awesome? They had a whole department who True. was like mostly women. True. Um,
1: her first work was on short Disney produced t- training films made for the United States Army during World War II. However, Carlson was soon promoted to feature films, where she worked on for 16 years. Her credits include The Three Caballeros, Cinderella, Peter Pan, and Sleeping Beauty. And she was further promoted to lead artist during the production of the 1955 animated feature film Lady and the Tramp. By
0: 1960, the technology used in animation had changed. And that meant that ink artists were not really needed anymore in the animation process. So in 1962, Carlson joined WED Enterprises to work on three-dimensional characters in Walt Disney's theme parks. Yes. Um, her her mentors in the Imagineering group were Mary Blair and Mark Davis. You know, the greats. Yeah.
1: One of her earliest projects <clears throat> was the Carousel of Progress, where she worked with Leota Lee Tombs And for the... Show models, Toombs and Carlson were given chewing gum, wires, and earrings to make hinges for the refrigerators and various household appliances. Due to their lack of supplies, secretaries started to bring in bags of their old jewelry.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so the Carousel of Progress debuted at the 1964 World's Fair, as well as Carlson's next project, It's a Small World. She helped to create the original models and the designs for It's a Small World attraction, which debuted at the World's Fair, and she was one of a select group of artists and designers who were also sent to New York City by Disney in order to create attractions for the fair.
1: Within the Disney company, she became known as the artist who designed many of the famous ride's singing dolls. Following its debut at the World's Fair, It's a Small World opened first in Disneyland, Carlson later helped bring her signature attraction to Walt Disney World, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris.
0: Following her time working on projects for the World's Fair, Carlson worked on a team with Tombs, um, who we talked about earlier, as well as Harriet Burns and Glendra Von Kessel to create many of the models and uh, final pieces of attractions such as the Tiki Room, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, Country Bear Jamboree, and many others. Initially, she worked as a costume
1: designer for raccoons, chickens, geese, dogs, etc. on a show called America Sings, and these characters were later used for scenes in Magic Kingdom's Splash Mountain attraction.
0: My curiosity, though, is, are they going to get rid of them because it's changing to Tiana? Are they, like, going to skin them and start over? Like, I'd be so heartbroken if they did. I don't think so because those are like fair, like some of those are fairly like regular, regular, like animals and stuff. Chickens and geese kind of make sense. The dog, maybe a dog or two. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but I don't see where a raccoon would fit no. in the theme of this ride. I don't either. That's the only... unless it's like a trash can behind Tiana's yeah. restaurant. And she's like, "Get out of here, you vermin!" Yeah. I don't know. I, I would be really sad if they, like, completely skinned them and just got rid of them. Because, yeah. like, that's like, the, the, that's, like, legendary. Moving them from one attraction to the other and putting some, like, country-style clothes on them, that's no big deal, but. Yeah. I don't know. Completely changing it, that would be.
1: Hey, they could also move them back over to uh, Country Bear Jamboree. Jamboree. <laughs> yeah. They could. That's not going anywhere at Disney World.
0: I think ours is already gone. Yeah,
1: yours is already gone.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I
1: I never went on it. I never saw it. I have no idea. I've seen it. You're not missing much.
0: Oh, good to know. Okay. I think it's where Pooh <laughs> Who
1: is for you guys.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: And from what I've heard from one of Andrew Bartholomew's lives, because he's a huge Disney Parks nerd and knows all this stuff, if you turn around, I forget what point it is, they kept, like, the two, like, heads that spoke during the entire show. Yeah. Because it was so hard for them to get them down. So they're still, like, up. They're just, like, dead. And not Behind thing. you. Behind you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I also like looking back to see the original poo, because there's a point where, like, poo's, like, tumbling yeah. around. And, like, if you turn around behind you, you can see, like, the model that's being reflected in the glass. It's fun um so um she continued to work on newer attractions at disneyland disney world tokyo disneyland and disneyland resort paris and she was mentored by disney's first generation of attraction designers notably grace bailey mary blair and john hench
1: in the later years of her career joyce moved to florida in 1982 where she served as the resident it's a small world expert even developing new dolls for the attraction including those representing israel and korea helped maintain audio animatronic figures and even helping disney legend john hinge select the color palette used for the park's iconic
0: carousel horses additionally she supervised the installation of the haunted mansion in the walt disney world's magic kingdom Um, And she also became the first female Disney employee to reach the 50 and 55 years of employment milestone in 1954. And she was working at Disney World as a senior show production designer at the time. Carlson
1: officially retired from her full-time position at Disney in 2000, but remained at Disney World part-time until at least 2006 and continued to mentor Disney Imagineers through 2007.
0: She was declared a Disney legend in 2000 and honored with a window on Main Street USA at the Magic Kingdom in in Disney World. And the commemorative window, which is Disney's version of the Hall of Fame, is a rare honor bestowed on employees who have made significant contributions to the company and its theme parks. Carlson's window, which is on the second floor of a structure along Main Street, reads Dolls by Miss Joyce, Dollmaker for the World, Shops in New York, California, Florida, Japan, and Paris. Owner and founder Joyce Carlson.
1: Another tribute was made in her honor when Imagineers created a Joyce Carlson doll that is featured in the Florida attraction.
0: Yeah, honestly, like even just like reading what the what the window said got me a little choked up. That's like very sweet. I
1: I forget where it is, but I've seen it before.
0: Yeah. So. So what? Uh, next one this lady oh my gosh is she a fun one to talk about yeah so her name (laughs) is ruth
1: shellhorn and in march of 1955 with disneyland hurtling toward its opening day the book ruth shellhorn author kelly comrades describes that walt disney faced a challenge of getting the distinct areas of the park to hang together this was a problem for the exceptional landscape artists. Um, and at the glowing recommendation of a colleague, Disney
0: called upon Ruth Shellhorn for the job. So she arrived on the scene and very quickly gained trust. And um, in the Imagineering documentary, actually, they talk about her a little bit. And they mentioned that, you know, day one, she stepped onto the scene and she was directing these yeah. men around and they followed her every word, no matter what she said. Yeah, And like... There are pictures of, like, lines and lines and lines of men, and then Ruth, and then more men, more men, yeah. more men. It's crazy. Um, so uh, she caught a discrepancy, actually, in the plan um, concerning the grade in a particular area, which actually made a big influence on what the park's layout was. Yeah. Um, and she also insisted that Walt Disney's idea to put a bandstand in the town square entrance area would block the view and be a bad choice. So um, once construction on the bandstand was underway, he realized she was right yeah. and he removed it. And he was like, you know what? You have my absolute confidence. The quote, you have my absolute confidence. Yeah. And that's that's how it all started. So um Go ahead. Shellhorn faced manifold challenges, including
1: realities of space, climate, soil conditions, and artistic slash philosophical concerns. She also helped design walkways for pedestrian flow. <coughs> among the artistic slash philosophy, uh, among the artistic and philosophical question or concerns were the need of a sense of cohesion between the distinct Frontierland, Adventureland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland, which while also providing atmosphere that fit the mood within each area.
0: Yeah, so the the thing that I I wanted to point out, like by including her, is that you know we have we have Imagineers who worked on every aspect, right? Yeah, it's not just attractions and it's not just layout design, right? Yeah, she was on the floor, on the ground, making making stuff happen yeah and and she was damn good at it she could look and say no that's not gonna work do this instead and they would ignore her and do the other thing anyway and they'd be like you know what ruth you're totally right yeah and like this is this is this is the 50s that's a big freaking deal yeah so anyway i had to include her just i had to make sure we included her because she is just <coughs> she's just bless you
1: thank you Gonna
0: go For somebody to be told by Walt Disney, you have my absolute confidence and like your his absolute trust of this project, and just like not a question that's that's pretty pretty influential.
1: So, our next um Imagineer is Alice Davis, who in the mid 1950s received a call from Mark Davis. He needed a costume for dancer Helen Stanley to wear as she performed live-action reference footage for the animation of Aurora in Sleeping Beauty. Mark wanted to see how the skirt flowed and munched as Stanley moved about in order to draft accurate animation. During this project, she and Mark grew closer and eventually married in June of 1956.
0: There it is, another one. Met on Disney property, fell in love. Like your parents, met on Disney property, fell in love. Geez, I wonder, what did they put in the water there? Pixie dust.
1: Tons of it, I guess. Walt Disney saw the two newlyweds at a Los Angeles restaurant one night and immediately took a liking to Alice and the quality of her work. Walt hired her as a costume designer for the 1960 Disney film Toby Tyler. I have never heard of that. Same. She also aided in the design of costumes for various other Disney films and television shows. In
0: 1963, Walt came to Alice with a rather novel assignment, assisting artist Mary Blair in designing the costumes for the auto-animatronic children of uh, It's a Small World. Yes. So Alice researched the different cultures and regions being represented and translated the attire into costumes into, or excuse me, translated the attire customs into over 150 different costumes. Yes. Her other work for the fair included the
1: period-specific costumes for the Carousel of Progress and the costumes and wigs worn by the cavemen and the Ford Magic Skyway. What is the Ford Magic Skyway? We've talked about it a couple times. I think it was
0: the original model for the People Mover.
1: Okay. I was just Mm. wondering, because it almost sounded like, um, oh, what is it? Spaceship Earth. Like, from these descriptions of, like, her talking about the cavemen and all that, I'm, like, just picturing Spaceship Earth.
0: Yeah, I think it was the original model of the People Mover, and then Ford pulled their sponsorship, so they just renamed it and changed the vehicles. Okay. Um, Yeah. During the Small World Project, Alice established an audio-animatronic figure costume manufacturing area, a quality control system, and refurbishing techniques at WED Enterprises in Glendale, California. These systems and techniques are still used today by Imagineers and maintenance staff at the Disney theme parks worldwide. In
1: 1965, Alice says she, quote, went from sweet little children to dirty old men overnight, end quote. (sighs) Walt assigned her to create the costumes for the audio-animatronic characters that would inhabit the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Alice created 47 different costumes, each one period specific to the 17th and 18th centuries, but still had a Disney flair to them. Pirates of the Caribbean opened in 1967 and
0: remains a Disney theme park favorite to this day. Because of her versatility, she also designed the costumes for the Mission Control audio animatronic features in the revamped Flight to the Moon attraction, which was uh, the same year as Pirates. (coughs) Following Mark's lead, Alice retired from WED in
1: 1978, but still consults on various projects for the Walt Disney Company, such as the Pixar film Up. In order to solve a central question of the film, quote, what are the most important things in life? End quote. The Up filmmaking team turned to their oldest acquaintance and relatives um, mining their memories for stories. The influences included Joe Grant, who died in 2005, and Alice Davis. She also makes appearances at Disney-related events and fan meet and greets. So I think her and um, her husband... Or, kind of like the Ellie and Carl inspirations.
0: Yes, I believe so. Um, Alice was named a Disney legend in 2004, and on May 10th, 2012, she was honored with a window on Main Street at Disneyland. The window above the uh, Disneyanna store next to her husband's window reads Small World Costume Co., Alice Davis, Seamstress to the Stars. Yeah. So the next one we're going to talk about
1: is Dorothea Redman, and she was hired by what is now Walt Disney Imagineering in 1966, where she helped design portions of Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort, including a residence in New Orleans
0: Square intended for Mr. Disney himself. The area was used as a gallery after Disney's death in 1966, but the space above the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction was converted into an apartment called the Disneyland Dream Suite based on her original design that had been used by randomly selected guests at the resort since January 2008. Yeah, so
1: it's kind of like the Cinderella's Castle Suite at, well, Disney World where random people get selected to go up there.
0: Yeah, you have to, like, win a contest or, like... Yeah. ...have won something, or just, like, randomly they'll... Yeah. ...pick you.
1: Um, she also designed many other aspects of the stores and eateries in New Orleans Square, and she designed Fantasyland at Disney World in Florida, as well as portions of Main Street and Mosaic murals in the archway of Cinderella Castle that were implemented there in Tokyo Disneyland, which that... Mural is amazing. I love it so much.
0: <coughs> in fall of 2008, she was honored by the firm's Disney Legends program, honoring her achievements on behalf of the Walt Disney Company. Marty Sklar described how, quote, her watercolor sketches were extraordinary placemaking. Yes.
1: An exhibit of her work opened at the company's Information Research Center in Glendale, California. Yep. Yay.
0: So we have we have two more ladies we're going to talk about who still even like are around today and still are like big deals at the Disney company. You know, most of these women have already that we've talked about have already retired or like aren't really working anymore or have passed away. And I wanted to talk about
1: these two because like it shows the women in Imagineering to this day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw we saw the beginnings. We saw sort of in the middle, you know, coming yeah. on once there was already something there. And now we're coming into, like, you know, women who are hired out of college and yeah. still work there today. And are making big impacts now. Yeah. Man. So we're going to start off with Kathy Mangum. Um, So she started her Disney career working in Adventureland merchandise locations at Disneyland Park in 1976 while she was attending college. Later, as an Imagineer, Kathy worked on projects around the globe
1: from overseeing the enhancements of the seas with Nemo and friends at Epcot, providing creative direction for Disney's Typhoon Lagoon and Disney's Blizzard Beach water parks at Walt Disney World, um, and Finding the Most Marine Voyage at Disneyland Park and the debut of Cars Land in, at Disney California Adventure Park in 2012.
0: She was also Imagineering's Atlantic Regional Executive overseeing the creative portfolio and strategy for Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Paris, and Disney Cruise Line, although she did retire in 2018, but, like, yeah, I mean, she retired, like, what in her 60s 70s yes. like pretty early she's like not old yeah she's like she retired relatively young so
1: um and then our last one is Doris Woodward who is a, an Asian American woman as well i wanted to highlight that i think Dorothea is yeah, a black woman from the pictures and everything i read about her but that yes. comes very important into one of the things that she helped create um designer and art producer Doris Woodward first brought her magic to Disney parks in 1979 her visionary perspectives and creative candor helped bring some of the World Showcase pavilions to at Epcot to life including the China Pavilion in 1982 and she later worked on Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park in 1998.
0: Um, Doris was also a key leader in the international development of projects like the opening of Tokyo Disneyland and Disneyland Paris in 1983 and 1992, respectively. Yes. Her international work continued through Shanghai Disney Resort opening in 2016, where she developed the culturally relevant details for the resort with, quote, authentically Disney and distinctly Chinese elements.
1: Yeah, which I thought is really cool.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, who knows what's to come? You know, yeah. we have no idea how the Disney company is going to develop and grow in the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. No. I cannot wait until we get to talk about, you know, the women hired in 2012, in 2010, yeah. and they were fresh out of college, and, you know? Yeah. That'd be cool. Who knows? We may be naming people that we know. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so much there's so much growth, and I think there's so many wonderful things that so many women engineers yeah. are doing, and um, especially in Imagineering, I think that's what we need. So I'm excited to see what, what the future has in store. Yeah, same.
1: And congratulations to these women, especially the ones that were named Disney Legends, because that's not Absolutely. an easy feat.
0: No, and it's not taken lightly. Yeah. Absolutely not. It is. That's like one of the highest honors you can have. Yeah. At least in terms of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. To me, if I were, I wouldn't care. Like you know, there's there's so many other things. You know, Nobel Prize, whatever. Nah, nah. Disney Legend. Yeah. Can win, man. Like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so shall we get into the little bit of the spin news that we have? Yeah, absolutely. The Jonas Brothers will offer five concerts
0: on Broadway this spring. Rachel Chavkin and Sonia Tayev ta, Sure. Join the creative team for the previously announced new musical adaptation of the legendary F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel Gatsby at American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts.
1: Briga Helen Justin Girani. And Aisha Jackson are going to lead the Broadway company of Once Upon a One More Time, which
0: is Britney Spears' new musical, right? I think so, yeah. Jose Lana and Conrad Ricamora will reprise their roles in Here Lies Love on Broadway. Eric McCormick,
1: Lily Cooper, and Laura Bell Bundy will be returning to Broadway this summer in The Cottage, directed by Jason Alexander.
0: Laurie Metcalf, Tatiana Masley, Me- Masl- and Sofia and Caruso will star in the Broadway thriller Grey House. Kristen
1: Chenoweth and Stephen Schwartz are coming together again for the Queen of Versailles musical.
0: RuPaul's Paul's drag race icon, Jinx Monsoon, has announced an extension to her run of Chicago on Broadway and will have her final performance on March 26th. Yes. The
1: breakfast buffet has returned to Chef Mickey's at Disney's Contemporaries Resort. Um, for the past little bit since post COVID, it has been like table service where a waiter brings you your food, but it's back to the buffet.
0: The Halloween Festival and Disney's Enchanted Christmas are returning this year to the Disneyland Paris Park.
1: On March 1st, the same day that Mandalorian Season 3 started, the Mandalorian and Grogu made a surprise appearance at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Disney has announced that the two will continue to make regular appearances in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and are not a limited time offering. I saw videos
0: of this. That's so freaking cool! I saw cool. videos. I was
1: telling Sean that you like
0: that he and I <coughs> need to go. Um, yes. So bad. They need to bring it to Disneyland now in California. They're already in Disneyland in California, but not that much. I don't think they are going to be either. <sighs> Big sad. Yeah. Anyway. Or now. We'll see. That's all we got this week. It's this is a light week. We're also doing two episodes this week, so we gotta spread it out. Yeah,
1: um, and I'm very excited for the other episode we're recording
0: this week. Yeah. I'm so excited. So do you want to do you want to get into the outro so we can tell them what it is? Yeah
1: um okay thanks for listening to this week's episode of fan of house
0: we are proud part of the real fans podcast network that's right and if you want to check out more shows on the network you can find them at rf4rm.com next week we will be sitting down
1: to talk to katie dodge a chocolatier at the ganachery at disney springs who created a very special ahsoka Tano pop for women's history month or as the disney parks call it celebrating her story month
0: Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fan Fatals Pod for the latest updates. Now Emma, where can the people find you on social media?
1: So my Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter are all at SmithyEmma, which is
0: S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby Gent pretty much everywhere. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our editing is by the wonderful Carol Lynn And as always, thanks for tuning in. Bye! Bye. These